Better listen very carefully. A good martial artist does not become tense, but ready. Essentially, at this point, the fight is over. So you pretty much flow with the goal. Who is worthy to be trusted with the secret to limitless power? I'm ready. I'm excited. Why's that? We have an apparel sponsor, Parry Athletic. Such good gear. It's incredible. I've been enjoying it. Bro, George came through, messaged us on the Instagram, said he's been following our program for ages. He's getting stronger and more mobile. And he's got this cool gear company called Parry, and he wants to send us some stuff. And he told me that his mission was to create the best pair of training shorts ever. Yeah, he wanted something that he could lift and roll in that could accommodate thick, muscular thighs and hips. And that suits us. Speaks to us. Also, what I like is I love the colorful design. It actually looks really cool. I am the most colorful dude on the mats these days, hands down. Yeah, you get that kind of expression feel. A lot of other jiu-jitsu gear is kind of a bit boring. Yeah, it's all like grays and blacks and shit. This stuff is the color and the vibrancy. It makes you stand out. The thing that I've loved about it is just it feels good. It feels good. It looks good. And you, ladies and gentlemen, can get a discount if you go to parryathletics.com. When you go to check out, put in the code BULLETPROOF20 and you get 20% off. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Bulletproof for BJJ podcast. I'm JT, and I'm here with the natural Joseph Worthington. Yo, uh, what's up, guys? Thanks for joining. Yo, I'll tell you who's not so natural. <laughs> Who that? Our boy Rob Wilkinson. Oh, oh he got popped, man. Razor Rob. <sighs> Aussie MMA fighter, famously PFL fought, champ. Fought a young Izzy Adesanya in the UFC, right? Yeah. But yeah, PFL champion. So he beat Tiago Santos, right? We spoke about it on the show. Yeah. I mean, he's got uh, like amazing physique. Amazing rig. And I'm like, damn, it's like his rig's just gone to like really, really amazing. (laughs) He looks good. Yeah. Handsome man. He's got the the moustache and everything. Yeah. And the dude popped for something. Don't know what, but... Like a testosterone-related supplement. Yeah, Yeah, right. This is the game, people. The game, son. Competing at the top. It's tough. I'm not mad, by the way. No. You know, you're you're a little bit disappointed. Yeah, but but you see it. I mean, people still admire Yoel Romero, and I think that guy's been on steroids since he was 12. Dude, you know, Yoel, what's not spoken about much is how he had that tainted supplement situation. Yeah. And he, he sued them successfully. Yeah, yeah. and made it, $27 million. Because it, it was proven that it actually was tainted, and he wasn't on anything. At that time. At that time. Yes, but okay. I'm just saying. Yoel I'm, Romero. Genetic okay. freaks do exist. Whatever, enough that. All right. Okay. If any of you are familiar, there's an old comic called Asterix and Obelix. And Asterix is like the little dude, he's the goal, and Obelix is this huge mountain of a dude who's kind of fat. Here's the deal. Obelix is a young child within the mythology of this. They're, they're from Gaul, so France. And it's all about the Roman Empire trying to take them over back in whenever it was. You know, it's, it's this fictional comic, but it's kind of funny. The myth is Obelix fell into this vat of magic potion, which their druid made, and he drank the whole thing. So he's not allowed to have any magic potion. Their druid gives the magic potion to all the Gauls so that they can just fight and bash everyone and they're kind of invincible. And Asterix has to kind of have a little swig of it every time before he goes into battle. Obelix is not allowed to have any (laughs) because he drank so much of it as a kid, he's now like infallible. 
Yo Romero is Obelix. <laughs> that guy has been part of the Cuban like athletic program on gear forever. They're like, yo, his bones are built different. Yeah, the dude has so much GH in him. He could like you could lick him and fail everybody. <laughs> Drug test, you know what I mean? Like, also, if you think of it as an advantage, even though you would never do it. His neck is fused. You know there's that clip of him Oh, running. yeah, he's, he's, he, he's like cervical spine does not it move. It doesn't move, right? What an advantage for not getting knocked out. Your neck doesn't move. You hit him and his spine's fused. Is that an advantage? Well, fuck yeah. I mean, it's not an advantage for turning. I, I would think, though, that... Into, but yeah, but having the movement would allow you no, to, to disperse the, the shock. No, not at all. Like, imagine you've just got a concrete rod behind your neck because the snapback, apart from getting hit on the button, the nerves around the jaw, the snapback is also what causes you to be knocked out. Right. So every time you hit him, you're hitting, like, this concrete block, which is his his spine. Anyway, needless to say, Yo Romero has been proven to be enhanced, but he made more money Wait, suing... Wait, has been? Yeah, he, he got popped ages ago. Wait, I don't... Has it been? I don't yeah, know if it yeah, has been Yeah, he got suspended proven. for 18 months, bro. But that was that was over not, the Tainted Supplement thing, wasn't it? Not the Tainted Supplement thing. It was prior to that. Check this shit All right, out. Search it. That's fine. Find out before we start making outlandish claims right, about I'm my not, boy. Oh yeah, oh your Romero's not on testosterone. That's outlandish. Fuck off. You're the person who's like, that guy's got big muscles. He's on juice, bro. I'm pointing at you, bro. I, I got big muscles. I am not on juice, man. Whatever. People just don't know how to do it right. You just got to eat that steak, take that creatine, and lift those weights for twenty years. He was suspended for 18 months prior to that, I'm pretty sure. Joey's now trying to bring the facts, but we'll see. Well, I'm just, I'm just trying to, you know, find out. I'm interested to know. Oh, I like to think that there's outliers out there. I'm like, ooh, yeah. No, I don't believe in outliers. Ooh, yeah. No, I don't believe in outliers. I mean, there are absolutely outliers, particularly in that part of the world. Because, you know, the uh, big part of what got Africans to that part of the world was this long, arduous boat trip. And a, lot of, and a lot of the folks that were not this – is, this is, I've read this in a I'm thing. Not, I'm not going into this. That's okay. Sure. Let's, folks that, let's you stay know, on your Romero. Let's stay that's on what I'm saying. A lot, of, a lot of people died, right? What have you found? What have you a lot found? of people Yo died Romero, on these boat trips. Did he get suspended? The ones that had the, the strongest constitution for whatever reason made it and then that were the, the people that would inhabit these lands and become the, the superior genetic line that we see today. Freaky athleticism. Back in 2016, he tested positive for ibutamorin, a growth hormone – and USADA suspended him for six months. However, he vehemently denied the claim, saying he did not take the substance intentionally. Later, it was uh, ibutamorin was found in his supplement, a product made by Gold Star Performance Product. He sued the company in a lawsuit uh, worth $27.45 million. $27 million. The Cuban has a chiseled body that seems too good to be purely natural. Yes, it does. Uh, it is important to note, however, that he has been competing for decades and is also a former Olympian. We could also look at the history of is, the Cuban Olympic program. He was also in the USADA testing as pool. as many positive athletes as there's ever been. Four years, but never popped for anything on the agency's radar. Let's have a look at the history of the Cuban. Like, well, that's fine, but we can't – he's never popped. Like, he's, he was never – he never tested positive – Whatever. Beyond that thing, which was... It's like saying, oh, you're out of the Russian wrestling system? I'm just saying, but you were and like, they, but, you were like but he has tested positive at another time. That's a fact. I'm pretty sure it, he that was. That is not that's a fact. That's one article. That is okay, incorrect. Let, let me come... Incorrect? No, 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 that's one thing that you cited. Let me come back to you. Do we go to another website? No, I want to do a podcast about other stuff I think today. the guys are holding their breath. No, I don't think they are. I'll come back. 
Oh, no, I will. JT, how'd you go with that? I'll follow up next week for you guys. No, it's fine. I, I, there is other stuff. We weren't going to talk about Yol Romero. <laughs> <laughs> what I'd say is this, like, if you can have a look at... It's okay. The history of sports. No, it's not. It's not okay, Joe. <laughs> if we can look at the history of sports, anything, and we look at Icarus, for example, and we look at any of the athletes that have come out of Russia in the last 30 years, if you have a systematic approach to doping your athletes, and if we have a look at other athletes from Cuba who've popped, like there's a lot of them, whether it's boxing, weightlifting or wrestling. So if systemically a country has a problem with giving its athletes drugs or programs doing that, then you could say, well, you came out of that system. That's interesting. It wouldn't be... Highly probable. ...a stretch to say, oh, oh, funny, you guys didn't do any drug testing during that time, which is very formidable for you to come up as an athlete. Yol Romero came up under that program. Anyway, not to worry. It's all good. People do drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. Um, let's talk about other interesting things that are out there in the world of jiu-jitsu. We're talking about Zuck versus Elon. Does anyone care? No, I think people do who are not in the fight game. I mean, it is kind of... It it's is got people uh, I, talking who wouldn't normally talk about it. Zuckerberg just looks like a fucking avatar. He's a, he's he never a, blinks. Nice. His complexion is so... You know what? I'm excited. I'm excited for Zuck to go from this sort of avatar-esque AI-looking thing with perfect complexion, the Caesar kind of... Yeah. Or not the Augustus, Augustian <laughs> haircut that he has, the never blinking, to Wait. Gordon Ryan face. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wrinkled, jacked. Aged. Aged, like well beyond its years. <laughs> You know, attached to this body that's just a fucking rig from hell. Um, I'm excited for him for that. You want to see the steroid journey of Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> yeah, and just Zuckerberg like jujitsu changed my life, and it's just like those Troy McClure wrinkles and yeah, you know, the like face cauliflower ears. Oh yeah. Look, I don't think the fight's gonna happen. I think Elon's gonna find a wriggle out. It's not fucking yeah, like you know what I mean. Like he's yeah. he's worth too much money. Him getting punched in the head is not gonna help him solve interplanetary. You know, travel. And also he doesn't Interpl train. Interplanetary <laughs> capitalism. Capitalism, yeah. that's right. Yeah. But he's not, you know, he's, uh, he's going to put self-driving cars on Mars. Um, <laughs> look, Zuckerberg's training with Mikey Musumeci. He's training with uh, Mr. Never Smiles. <laughs> Who that? Uh, oh, Lex. Lex Friedman, right? Yep. And Lex Friedman is super legit. Judo black belt, jiu-jitsu black belt, also a bit of a psychopath. Tested positive. Look it up. <laughs> trains at Beaton. <laughs> Probably. So Does he train stuff. at New Wave? He trains at both. Oh. He's got a bit of immunity because yeah, he's okay. famous. They love yeah, him. Okay, he's Switzerland. He is the Switzerland of <laughs> Texas. <laughs> so funny. If you're, if you're famous enough, you do whatever you want. That's great. The great thing about this is it's bringing MMA and jiu-jitsu into the minds of people who would be thinking about golf, tennis, Maybe boxing if you Do we lucky. want them? Yes. We want them all. I like to think there's a world where everybody does jiu-jitsu and that most HR disputes could be settled with a cage fight or a node limit submission only match. Right on. Because then you would talk a lot less shit. You wouldn't be sending passive aggressive emails to John because John's a brown belt savage and even though he might be the lowly guy in the organization, listen here, Karen from HR, you need to chill. There's no repercussions for so much. But wait, you want like the executive team of fucking scumbags? What if they're all the highly ranked Jits players and then you got the, the hard workers down below? They don't have, they just got to work all the time. They don't have <laughs> enough time to train. 
No, no. But those, the executives are always kicking their ass. No, but I don't think that's true. I think jiu-jitsu is the uh, – it levels the playing field because you can see it. For example, Tynan Dalpra, he is Mr. Blessed, right? Mr. Untouchable lost to Jensen Gomez who is young kid favela, right? They're almost the same age. They've followed a similar track in terms of dedicating their lives to jiu-jitsu but one is the rich boy who lives in, in uh, California and one still lives in the favela. That guy prevailed. We've seen it before. Doctors and lawyers training with street sweepers, but the street sweepers are better at jiu-jitsu. I think sometimes, but it's this idea that... Okay, yeah, level playing field. That is the level playing field. What are your skills? What are your toughness? Do you think the executives are going to be tougher than the the lower-level guys? Well, I'm saying maybe if they started 10 years before, they're going to have an advantage. Potentially, but what I... Joey gets onto that f***ing board... (laughs) <laughs> it's over for you fucking foot soldiers. <laughs> no, but what I wanted to say is like, could we not imagine that if everyone trained jiu-jitsu, like literally everyone had to train Brazilian jiu-jitsu, there would be a different approach to how the world exists. Yeah. What I'm saying is Elon versus Zuckerberg, it doesn't really matter. It's probably not going to happen. I still have a hundred bucks on Zuckerberg to win by submission. Yeah, you, I mean, you look at it, you're like, man, he moves well. He's, com- he's competed. He's training. Like, yeah, he's training. Like, he's doing the thing. He's training with the best. So, yeah. you've got to say, he's put some time in. And, you know, like, whatever. Elon Musk is fat and just doesn't look after his body. He doesn't train. He admits his only training he does is lifting up his kids off the ground. Right on. Probably going to herniate a disc. Ultimately, the upside is this, my friends. More people talking about MMA, more people talking about jiu-jitsu, I think that is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. All right, question time. All right, we've got some questions come through. Now, these questions have come through uh, on our website. So if you want to leave one for us, you go to bulletproofofbjj.com, hit the podcast tab, and you can just record a voicemail right there. Just got to get through these pictures of your Romero that are popping up. <laughs> I can just him the, sprinting. Natty King, Joey, recognizes <laughs> another Natty King. Ah, oh, my God. All right, here we go. Hey, it's Nathan. I'm the same guy that pesters you about not wearing a hat constantly. Um, I've done a couple of competitions now. I'm a one-stripe white belt. I've been training for nine, ten months. Um, don't think you've done an episode about uh, competition, which would be cool, but I wanted to ask you guys about the mentality of competing. So whether you think it's optimal to be aggressive or calm or flow, would like to hear your thoughts. Cheers. We have done that one. Thanks, Nathan. Have we done that one? We have. No, I don't think we have a zone two weeks ago, but we've spoken yeah. about comp. We said we have different approaches to that. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. JT's more aggressive, I'm more passive. Choose what works for you. What's with the hat thing? Oh, because I always wear a hat in every video, and it's like sometimes you wear a hat or a beanie, and sometimes you don't. And he always puts in the comments, because we had talked about your luscious hair and mm. hair products, he put in the comments, hey, man, what's going on with JT's hair? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because right. I'm always wearing a hat. But it's anyway, it's a branding opportunity, people. Imagine your logo here. No, it's already taken. <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> it's a shtick. Shout out para-athletics. Para-athletics. But uh, no, funny thing, I was uh, doing a Jugo stand with these kids and I was wearing a hat all day. And <laughs> these young kids are like eight years old. They come up, hey, man, could you take off your hat? And I was like, why? Oh, we've got a bet. And I was like, okay. So I took my hat off. He's like, ah, you owe me five bucks. And he was like, why? He thought you were bald. <laughs> I said you had hair. Ha, I win. Sucked in. And I was like, these kids, man. Hilarious. Not bald, by the way. But Savages. But yeah, if you're an aggressive person, that fuels you. Ramp up. Do that thing like JT. 
if you're not an aggressive person like me, don't try and be that person. I don't no, think you, that works. Be be what makes you feel comfortable, and then ultimately on the mats, like do what you got to do. Exactly, you got to find your energy. Energy efficient. All right, next one, Roscoe. Hey guys, uh, love the podcast. So my question is, I've just signed up for my first no gear competition in August. So it's the Brisbane Grappling Industries one. It will be in seniors, just turned 40 this year. Diabetic is my only condition, but basically the question is the three main things to go into and prepare for my first uh, competition. Currently, three-stripe white belt and sitting at about 90 kilos. Keep up the good work, guys. Always listening to you. Champions. Champion. Thanks, much, Roscoe. Much love, Roscoe. Shout out to the Queensland fam. Uh, look, I What's think your three? The di- see, the diabetic thing is definitely an, a, a consideration, right? Blood sugar levels when you're competing is, is a bit of a thing. Right. If you can currently do like three five-minute rounds, like if you're, if you're a white belt and you're going into your comp um, and you're okay with that, you're managing that pretty well, hydration is number one, snacks on the day, maintaining the blood sugar levels. And then kind of what we touched on before about uh, like are you more of a hype beast, are you more calm, it's good to make sure that you, you have your strategy, like you have a plan coming in and that you're going to go in there don't do anything. We've talked about this before. Don't do anything too weird. Don't be like, oh, it's a comp. I better go. I better go mental. You know, I better do. I better hype up real hard, or I better do my diet really differently. Like, better start lifting. It's four weeks before the comp. Yeah, got to get jacked for the comp. No. So the the three things I always focus on. Anyone, any advice I give anyone coming into their first competition, number one is hydration. So don't try and cut weight and go to a lower category. Whatever. Uh, number two is like maintaining that blood sugar level. So obviously very important if you're the um, uh, if you uh, have diabetes or any other conditions. And then number three is the is the um, strategy and mental clarity piece. Whether that requires you to dial up or dial down. It's your first comp. Yeah, man. You know, there's you, you're probably going to do a lot, and you know, whatever. May, maybe you don't, but you should look at it as like you're really testing the waters for the very first time. Yeah. So I I wouldn't put too much pressure on on myself in that situation at all because you're going to be you, there's so much shit you're going to learn from that experience you're like oh man it was like your opponent's going to feel really strong you're probably going to feel really weak your grips are going to gas out yeah the shit that you thought was going to work is just not going to work like this is competition you're going to be way more nervous than you thought you were um afterwards you're going to be way happier than you thought you were yep. so just allow yourself to experience that and to jt's point don't do anything new. Don't try to cut weight. Just enter a division that you can comfortably get into so that you can focus just on showing up on the day and doing the best. Yeah, 100%. Philip. Hey, guys. This is Philip speaking from Germany. I'm going on a world trip for sabbatical, so for nine months traveling across the world. I'm going to miss some BJJ classes, obviously, and maybe you guys have an idea or maybe some tips how to approach gyms find good gyms across the world and maybe stay fit also in tiny apartments and maybe what i can do to maybe sort of keep in level of jiu-jitsu and the fitness level thanks again guys thanks for the content really appreciate it cheers 
Philip, what a legend. Much love. Shout out Germany. Exciting to be traveling around the world. Yeah, it's so good. I think traveling and training is easier now than it's ever been. Mm. Just because there's so many gyms everywhere you go. Everyone's on the internet. And I think we've talked about this before relevant to the whole gym culture thing is what you can do is go to a gym's website, kind of suss that out, suss out their timetable. Is there somewhere where you can jump in? Open mats are often good because it's less formal. So you can kind of rock in you're not necessarily going to learn anything you might but the other thing you can do to kind of double up like um double check is do they have an instagram do they have a social group do they have a facebook group yeah does this look like a friendly friendly place is this they might even have a podcast or some shit yeah yeah you never know so i think the the double check what do you do joe when you're kind of trying to check suss out a gym when you're traveling website and instagram and i mean still like i've hit up heaps of gyms on instagram and it takes them a week to get back to Forever. me ever you know and then whatever they're just not active on it but yeah some some gyms are pretty loose in how they're kind of managing like or making themselves available to outsiders but i would yeah i would i would go all right which city am i going to what are the gyms i'd search that on google and then i'd like send out a few emails or dms on instagram yep and see what comes back. And you're going to hear from someone. And usually the gym that's like, oh, hey, man, yeah, we love visitors. Like, come along. Like, blah, And they make it easy for you. That's probably the one where you're going to have a good time. Yeah. And my travel hack is go no gi. Me personally. Mm. I've tried to do the, the gi travel thing. Yeah, and there's just two huge elements, which is the laundry. So it depends on what country you're in. Laundry can be a real, real bitch relevant to just getting your gear in order and it's it's also you know you've got travel weight and all of that yeah whereas if you're just taking lycra you're just taking a couple of rashies fats shorts happy days yeah so whenever i'm traveling i usually just keep it to the nogi stuff when i was blue belt yeah i don't think that was really a thing back then like nogi wasn't big enough no, was it but it's i think it's different now it's different like, now definitely and most gyms will offer nogi and also mma gyms offer more nogi they do so that's more prevalent i would say to like integrate the training with your travel so mm. go like um depending like what the context of your trip is are you with someone else are you just by yourself but like say you're going to a town and you're going to be there for five days yeah book in to go to a gym a different gym on like two different days yeah and you're probably gonna have to travel a little bit like on a bus or yep. ride a bike or whatever to get there Make that – that's part of the day. You're traveling to a new part of town. You're going to – even if you are training in the gi and you've got to find a laundry, that's part of the trip. I remember sure. being in Rio, having this cool kind of back and forth with the women at the laundry that I'd go to because yep. I couldn't speak much Portuguese and they laughed at me and they thought I was a nice guy and they were very lovely. Yep. And it was like part of the trip. Yeah. You know, so if you have that time, like make that part of the thing because that's your – that's you seeing a new space and it's connecting with people. Yeah. You might not have that time and it might be more like, all right, I just got to get to a place and get the fuck out, in which case, you know, make it as efficient as you need to. And relevant to the strength training piece, this is what I would say. pair of rings is not too heavy. You can slot it into your suitcase. It's probably, you know, half a kilo, if that. But a pair of Olympic rings, they're pretty cheap. You get them online. And then also a couple of bands. Yeah, That's what I was using when I was in Rio because, like, uh, when I was uh, training over there, I, I paid for a gym when I was in Sao Paulo, but they have chin-up bars everywhere. But what you can do is you can attach the band to any which point to do rows and pulls and presses and then rings. To the bunk bed of your hostel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wherever you might be staying. I don't know. I don't know how baller you're going with it, Philip. But basically, if you can find a horizontal surface somewhere and you're not feeling too self-conscious, you can sling those rings up 
And um, you can do so much with that. And I think we've got a few videos on similar things relevant to that. Dude, on our YouTube. But we've even got our Living Room Warrior program, which is designed if you're in a hotel room or like a small apartment, jump on that, man. It's there. It's on the app. Log in. It gives you a bunch of different programs. You can uh, like different workouts that are designed for no equipment and minimal space. Minimal stuff. All right. Last one here. Lucky last. Hey, guys. Love the podcast. Uh, my name is Dalton. I'm actually from the States. And uh, I've been listening to it as a former college wrestler. Um, I wrestled on the senior circuit for a little bit, which is kind of like our largest circuit. And uh, I've recently got back into BJJ. I had been introduced at the end of college, and I've now got back into it. So anywho, I am now a wrestling coach at a jiu-jitsu gym, a wrestling coach for the school that I teach at also. And I like to implement a lot of the what I consider takedown game and the wrestling neutral game, as we call it, um, to my jujitsu. A lot of times I get a lot of uh, hate for doing that uh, because people say, oh, well, you're only doing that because you're a wrestler. But in the most humble way possible, I also put myself in some scenarios that are probably not the best because I'm a wrestler, but also at the same time, I find it to be a very good approach to learning jujitsu. I guess my question wrapping that up for you guys um, after a long introduction is what do you guys feel about jujitsu purists learning wrestling? Do you think it's important for them to learn some basics for wrestling in order to continue to achieve higher levels of jujitsu? Thanks. Dalton, legend. Yeah. Man, look, yeah, I think can, like if we're looking at like jujitsu on the whole, yeah, you gotta you gotta be comfortable with some stand up stuff. Yeah, personally, I like double legs are not a thing for me anymore. Like I'm just like I've never been able to give them enough time to be effective with them. Sure, but you know, like, but still need to still need to know how they work. Yeah. Singles, like a lot of the other, just the wrestling positioning, snap downs, head control, arm drags, like. Yeah, like I think that shit is so important. Yeah. But where the dilemma is, is if you are a gi jiu-jitsu purist, yes. it just isn't very important. Oh. Because the, well, the points – sorry, from a, from a competition perspective. Because the points system doesn't really reward it that much. Sure. No, but I think probably speaking to um, our, our man's question, do we think it's important for jiu-jitsu purists to do wrestling – yeah, and I think this idea of jujitsu purity is bullshit. We just got to look at it as grappling. Like, if you train judo and you understand foot sweeps and timing and, and the finer points of judo, it's going to help you gi or no gi. Like, you know, those different things that you learn there. In the same way, like if someone's trained Greco instead of freestyle wrestling, they're going to have slightly different takedowns, but it's going to work in that way. I think if we look at it more broadly and say – it's grappling, what's effective. One of the best things you can do is put your opponent where they suck. So if you know, you're know you really good at wrestling and they're not, taking them down and not going where they want to be is, is a good way to go. And, and like you said, you might put yourself in bad positions being a wrestler, but I think it's this idea of not being open to new knowledge. So you're like, no, this is my corner and I stay in this corner. You know, like the meme, which is the little pink bubble in a box and the box is jujitsu and it, 
He's like, oh, I do grappling. I'll do MMA. And then it's like, punch in the face. Oh, I'm going to stay in my box. <laughs> I think is that most people are used to having success with whatever their game is. And then it just sucks so bad to then step outside of that and then just get owned by someone like you who's like, whatever, you're a school teacher, but you're also a wrestling savage. Yeah. And they're like, yo, what, what's with that gym instructor? Boom, 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 taking people down left, right and center. Corn fair. Yeah. <laughs> I personally look at it like this. Like I held my jiu-jitsu back by only just playing guard for seven years. It was only once I started to do more stand-up and top game that I, I felt my jiu-jitsu kind of started to grow. And so I would say, man, stay on track with what you're doing. You're doing good things. And those jiu-jitsu puritans, tell them they're pussies and tell them to stand up. Like it's one of those things that like we all need to go to that place where we suck. And then maybe you yourself for development, you need to learn how to play some guard as well. And that will make you a much more dangerous guy as a coach one of the one of the things that you got to be good at and maybe this is maybe this is where you're running into like a bit of a problem with some of the purists as you as you put it is you've got to be able to get their emotional buy-in to the thing that you're training right this happens every time in the gym teaching strength and mobility and stuff you need to be able to explain to someone why this is relevant to them Mm. and so in jujitsu terms like it's very easy. Hey guys, to, today we're doing this because it's a jiu-jitsu technique. And most of the people in the room are like, sweet, I do jiu-jitsu, like that's relevant. But when you're like, hey, I'm going to teach you guys how to do, you know, whatever, double leg. It, it's very easy for people like, well, this isn't, why do I need this kind of thing? And it's hard and I suck at it, right? All of that stuff later on. So I think you need to be really good at telling them like, hey, take yourself away from maybe learning uh, another technique that just falls into the game that you already play and sell them on the idea of why it's really important they learn this shit that they suck at and conceptually how they see themselves. Is it like, do you want to be like, do you want to know that you have the ability to destroy anyone or do you just want to be someone that's going to pull guard on the street and get your head stomped? Yeah. Like, you know, what is it? Are you trying to be a warrior or are you trying to just be good at competition jujitsu? And I would think most people are like, well, I want to be a savage. Like I want to be a warrior. Yeah. So, okay. Well, you got to learn some fucking takedowns. Ultimately you sound like a nice guy. You might not be a nice guy to roll, but that's but I mean, pretty much not going to be, right? If you got wrestling, <laughs> like every jiu-jitsu purist is going to hate you <laughs> because you give them a hard time. Yeah, that's right. But I think... You but know, that's good for them. Definitely. And I think what you're doing is a good thing. And, and, and don't stress too much. Definitely, I believe that the new generation of grapplers wants to learn how to wrestle. Yeah. So if uh, the person's not your customer, just double leg them, bro. Yeah. Yeah, your people are out there, right? For sure they are. Like wrestling coaches surely are in high where I think the wrestling coach really makes himself exceptional in this current jiu-jitsu climate is when they can take what's relevant from wrestling and apply it in a jiu-jitsu context. Not just I'm gonna teach you wrestling like yeah. I learned it. Like no no no, you gotta be able to select the shit that's gonna be relevant that they can see goes into their game, right? Definitely. That's it for the questions. If you want to leave us one, go to our website, bulletproofforbjj.com, hit the podcast tab, leave us a voicemail, and we'll feature you on the next bout of questions. Cheers, brah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate the questions. We'll catch you next time.